Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what the heck do we got to do today? Welcome. It is... Don't at me. You see it right there. Wait, there. Wait, there. Damn it. There's the don't. There's that. I get it messed up. You know what I'm talking about. What an absolute great night last night. I didn't talk about this yesterday, but let's go on a little bit of a rant here. Mike Wilbon apparently made it okay that everyone can say thug now. There's an article in, uh, in Outkick, Mike Wilbon called Grayson Allen a thug. I assume that opens it up for everybody. Remember, I mean, the guys on ESPN have to tell us what we can say and what we can't say. Wilbon made it okay, apparently. All right, I got guys on Twitter saying, well, he's been saying it for years. Oh, okay. So, all right, so if somebody acts... Like a thug, which is something I've been saying in my neighborhood, and oh, by the way, my neighborhood, both African-American and white guys, uh, we've been saying thug forever, but now we can say it because Wilbon said it. Remember, we're still waiting on Jay Billis to say it's okay to use the word camp. Remember Jay last year went all, well, you know, camp is racist. I love when white dudes tell us what to say. It's one of my favorite things. I didn't see anybody crying on TV when Wilbon used the word thug, so I think we're good. Uh, today's show, we got a lot to get to. Brittany Griner, total idiot. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I feel terrible. I hope like hell that the United States gets her out of there. She does not need to be in there, but what are you doing? LeBron's got some soreness. Calvin Ridley, I'm going to defend. I'll tell you right now. I'll defend Calvin Ridley, and we'll do that. Uh, in a few minutes. I'm also going to tell you as we make the road to 5,000 in my world. We only made about 30 yesterday, but we ain't mad about it. Uh, we're going to give you some wins here. Russell Westbrook, amazing the stuff that we in the United States worry about. My name is Dockage. Okay? D-A-K-I-C-H. Do you know how easy that goes to Jockage? How about put a C, cop? How about put an I instead of an A, dick? I mean, honest to God, and Russell Westbrook's whiny ass, they call him West Brick. They're shaming my family. Can you imagine this is the shit that people worry about? This is the shit that our superstars, our quote superstars, worry about. He's shaming my family. Yeah? How about have a name like Dockage? West Brick. He's shaming me. These dudes, I'm telling you, it, 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 it makes it almost impossible to watch. The whining, the moaning, the bitch. I mean, it really does. Thank God. Thank God. And by the way, you can say thug now. By the way, uh, last night, uh, conference tournaments, it's the greatest week of the year. I mean, I'm sorry. It's the greatest week of the year. And last night, you saw, I think, the game of the year. I mean, Chattanooga, Furman, four and a half seconds to go. John, uh, David Jean-Baptiste gets the ball. He comes down the court. He lifts up. Now, I want you – hey, can we play that real quick? Can, can we play that, uh, that clip? It is unbelievable. 
And I would like for you all to try this. There it is. You're seeing it now. I would like for you all to try this courtesy of the official website of the Chattanooga Mocs, the Moccasins. Got to make sure that name's all right. Is that name okay? Are we okay with moccasins? Do they represent anything that people are going to go batshit crazy about? You Let me know. Let me know. I want to make sure. As we go back to this shot, try this on your own. Watch this. Uh, shot goes in. Now here comes David Jean. And I'm telling you, well, they already played it. I'm behind. That is an incredibly difficult shot. To even get to the rim, this kid does a great job. Going to his left, pulling up to his right, leaning and getting it there is fantastic. Just a great, 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 great night for Chattanooga. I always think about Furman. I always think about Furman and say, oh, man, you work all season, all off-season weightlifting and running to get to that point. And a dude throws in a shot like that. My God. Mm. It hurts. And it never goes away. I'm just telling you, it never, ever goes away. By the way, Longwood coach Griff Aldridge is going to join us at, at 10. He's got an unbelievable story. Tell your friends, get on this at 10. You'll root for Longwood, I guarantee, in the NCAA tournament. I promise you, you will root for Longwood. Uh, also, Tucker Barnhart, one of the smartest dudes. I'm sorry, Griff Aldridge is at 9:30. Tucker Barnhart, one of the smartest dudes in Major League Baseball. He's now the catcher for the Tigers. Was a Gold Glove winning catcher in the National League, which means he bet, beat out Yadi uh, Molina. He's going to join us coming up here at 10 o'clock. Georgia State punched their ticket. Worst, one of the worst games I have ever seen in my life. And believe me. I've seen bad games. I've seen really bad. I've coached. I've played bad basketball. But last night, Northern Kentucky got past IPFW or Purdue Fort Wayne. I don't think the eye's in there anymore. And it was the, it was so bad, this game, that you had to watch. And I hate to put it that way, but it was. And I know, well, what do you guys always say? Well, these are kids. No, they're not. Nah, they can handle it. Mommies and daddies can't handle me saying that. And dudes, you know, hangers on can't handle me saying that. But players can handle me saying that. That's the worst basketball game I've seen all year. I went from the best basketball game, Chattanooga, to the worst basketball game. But who cares, right? I mean, let's be honest. If you are Northern Kentucky, you don't care, man. Hey, play awful and win. I'm going to tell you something. Depending on a draw... Chattanooga is going to win a first-round game. Remember that dude that took the chair over his head at Kansas last year, D'Souza? He's their starting center. He's damn good. They didn't play great yesterday. Got a great shot and won. Uh, Gonzaga was up 20 on USF, which is the University of San Francisco, which has a storied history. They're up 20 at half. They ended up winning by 10, and I got to tell you, you know what my takeaway from that game was? Chet Holmgren, who is really good, like really good, has arguably the weirdest body I have ever seen in basketball. No, I'm being serious here. He has the weirdest body I have ever seen. His shoulders are this narrow. 
His body is this narrow. But that dude can ball. That dude can absolutely ball. Uh, Gonzaga's going to be a one seed. So I got to tell you, um, you know, we'll see. But I like their team. And I like San Francisco's team. I'm waiting to see if Lenardi is going to put him in. I don't know. I didn't really look this morning. I'm too busy doing other stuff. But I am fascinated. Last night, the Nuggets and the Warriors, 131 uh, to 124. Let me ask you a question. Is anybody playing better than Nikolai Jokic? Anybody? The answer is no. I mean, Jokic is, I don't know. Look, we all get into who is the MVP. I, I don't know. I don't pay attention enough. But I know this, anytime you want to tell me, and I'll go with it, anytime you want to say to me, Nikolai Jokic, MVP, LeBron James, MVP, Steph Curry, MVP, even though Curry didn't play last night, I, I don't care. Anytime you want to say those guys are in the conversation, I'll simply say yes. Does that make sense? I mean, can we do that? Jokic last night, look, look at this line. All he did was drop 32, 13 assists, uh, three turnovers, six, 15 rebounds, shot 14 free throws, made 12 of 17 from the field, probably drank a bottle of Schlievovitz, went out, smoked three heaters, and had a wonderful day. Just a wonderful day. How great is that? Um. I'm going to sidetrack this just for a second before I get to uh, my top five from yesterday. But do you all think this way? And if you do, can you just stop? Like, I want to influence your thinking, okay? Like, you know, I get it, stick to sports. But if I stuck to sports, then idiots would be running everything else. Like, no, I can't stick to sports. If I stuck to sports, things like this would be happening. And I don't think it's good for the country. Um, do you know friends that basically defend $6, $5, whatever dollar gas prices because they believe orange man bad? And they actually believe Joe Biden is good? There's nobody in America that can believe that. There's nobody in America that can say, hey, uh, look, I think Joe Biden, because he, uh, let me read the tweet. This is from Bruce. Trump was and is a corrupt, evil man. Biden is honest and tries to do the right thing. I'm going to think, say this every day on this show. You ready? I need absolutely zero. Can I do that? Zero morality. Zero from my politicians, I, I don't want morality. I don't care about their morality. I said this yesterday. Clinton was stooping everything that walked. Both Bushes, one was a dopehead, and the other one had a long, 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 long time affair. If you're in the White House, you're stooping. Don't tell me about Obama. Stop it. Why does Obama live in a $12 million house? Stop it. Just stop it. Every single Republican or Democrat in power is not there because of their great honesty. They're not. So just stop with that. What I want out of my politicians is results. Hear, hear. I want results. 
I've said this before. I'll say this again. I won't stop saying it. Keep the market strong. Keep gas prices down. And I don't want to hear the word inflation. Now, those of you that are young, I don't know how you defend that. I don't know how you defend $5 gas when it was a buck 90 like two years ago when Trump. I don't care if Trump's a pig. Doesn't matter to me even a little bit. I'm not raising my kids based on the morality of presidents or senators. Are you insane? Hell, the longest running, I think he, I think it was, I don't know if he still is, stole, the senator in Indiana stole golf balls from my brother and my cousin and I, and I'm still bitter about it, on Turkey Creek Golf Course in Maryville, Indiana. I get that that's the only answer that you have. And I don't give a rat's if a Republican or Democrat is in the freaking White House. What I care about is, I don't want to hear the word inflation, which is all we hear now, Gas prices down, which are through the roof. And I got to tell you, keep the market going. And I don't give a damn what Trump said seven years ago. I don't give a damn about any of it. I don't give a damn about three people yelling and screaming. I don't care. I got guys all over the place sending me video. Look, keep gas prices down. I don't want to hear the word inflation. And keep the market going. And if that's too hard for y'all... I got nothing. Then go back to telling me what words I can say. Go back to telling me whether I can say the word camp or can you say thug? Morons. Straight morons. Anyway, uh, that's where we're at. And gas prices continue to rise. Gas prices continue to go crazy. And people continue to defend this administration. And this is why this is the best show in the morning. Because, number one, we're the only ones telling you about Wilbur. Number two, we're the only ones telling you about the children. Look, I am the only white guy in America that treats everybody equal. I am the only one. Look, turn on ESPN, all the white guys are afraid. My greatest accomplishment as a coach is a kid, Keith McLeod, saying, Coach, you're the first white guy to ever yell at me. And I told him, that's sad. So come at me with all your racist No. I am the only white guy in America that treats everyone the same. I treat women with respect, I treat men with respect, and I treat them equally. And it is a huge problem. I want Jay Billis to tell me again how I can't use the word camp because he's posing on ESPN. Stop it. Stop it. Just stop it. As the great Ron Felling said, stop it, stupid. Anyway, so there you go. There you go. Uh, Let's continue on, shall we? All right. Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley is out for the year. Calvin Ridley apparently gambled. Now, look, look. Calvin Ridley said he bet $1,500 on parlays, and that's all he did. I don't believe that for one second. I'm sorry. I don't believe that for one second. But that's all right. I'll defend Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley wasn't playing. That one dude, Acho or whatever his name is, the one who wants uncomfortable conversations yet really don't really have uncomfortable conversations and has made himself into a guy, has said that it was fixing. That's not fixing. They showed a video of him running. No, you cannot. The worst thing you can do, and I like Acho. He's on Fox. I like him. But you can't show a video of a guy running and going backwards. You can't accusing people of fixing games is awful. You can't do it. I did it once to a player. 
Kid was playing so bad, I sat him down. I said, Anthony, I got to tell you, you're either not here because he's the best player in the league or you're fixing this game, which is it. Coach, I'm not, I would never – I go, go down there, go to the end of the bench, and come back when you're not fixing. Saying someone's fiction isn't right, but I get the point. When you gamble, and what Acho did was exactly what people do. When you gamble, like Calvin Ridley gambled, then people are going to start looking at things. They're going to start looking at your performance. I'll give you an example. Going back to the 80s, there were a couple kids. One was named Lee. One was named Williams at Northwestern in the basketball program. They got indicted, I think eventually convicted, of point shaving at Northwestern. One of my my coaches at Bowling Green, a kid named Jamal Meeks, who I had, I had coached at Indiana. He was a friend and a colleague. He was on the staff at Northwestern. And what he and Ricky Birdsong on the staff did was they did what Acho did. They went back and looked at the video. That's the most damning thing. And when they went back and looked at the video, guess what? They could see that their old boy, this looks different. The movie Blue Chips did it. The movie Blue Chips did it. And I'm telling you, I don't blame Acho for doing it, but that's what you enter into when you gamble as a professional athlete. Hey, man, how many times did he strike out in the clutch? How, how, did he? Uh, how many times did he fall out of bounds? Uh, and Emmanuel Acho, he did that. He, he, he did exactly what, exactly what people do. We're going to go back and look. Now, let me go to the gambling. I got no problem with it. The world's changed. My only problem is stupidity because you're going to make $1.9 million this year, apparently. And on these walls right here, on these walls are big signs in locker rooms. I've been in NFL locker rooms. Don't gamble. You know, don't bet on it. All that stuff. They're huge. Okay? And you know not to. However, there isn't a guy out there that doesn't. And the NFL is hypocritical because they promote all of these, all of these gambling sites, which is cool with me. And to think players aren't doing it is idiotic. It really is. It's idiotic. But the truth of the matter is, um, he did it. He got caught. You know the rules. And now you got to pay the piper. And now the punishment, which is odd to me is so much more severe than guys that have had domestic violence. But gambling cuts to what? Gambling cuts to the integrity of the game. And that's why the guy Acho put that video out and people were like, well, that's not fair. No, that is fair what he did because that's what you do. You look at the integrity of the game when somebody is gambling or gets caught gambling. A Hall of Fame baseball player... I was on the field one time at Wrigley Field. A friend of mine was coach. I'm not going to say who it is. Hall of Fame baseball player. We walk up to him. Hey, how you doing? Blah, 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 blah. My buddy goes, who you got today? And he had a gambling slip in his back pocket. So the idea that people don't do it is ridiculous. I hope Ridley appeals. I hope the appeal goes down. Because gambling now isn't the same as it was in the 70s. I mean, it is embraced. There's a team in Vegas. Remember when they said there would be no team in Vegas? I hope Ridley, um, I, I, I hope Ridley appeals it. And I, and I don't blame Acho even a little bit. Not even a little bit. 
Hey, man, that's what you should do. All right. Apparently, and this exhausts me, and I'm going to go on this just a little bit, okay? I'm going to go on this just a little bit. Look, Aaron Rodgers is going to get apparently a big contract. Well, here's the deal. Aaron Rodgers deserves a big contract. Let me ask you a question. What team doesn't want, I don't care how old he is, what team doesn't want a contract, or excuse me, a MVP quarterback that's still playing as an MVP regardless of how old he is? Like there is no way in hell, none, zero, zip, that the Green Bay Packers, unless Rodgers just absolutely forces their hand, should do anything other than give him a three-year deal for no less than, I don't know, $100 million. Maybe more, $150 million. What Name the number. It's that valuable. He's that valuable. He is. So, you know, at the end of the day, Aaron Rodgers is going to get this. Aaron Rodgers is going to affect the market. Other quarterbacks that are 120th of what Aaron Rodgers is are going to say, my turn. And that's what you're going to have, period. And I ain't mad about it. Look, I'm not one of those that gets mad about athletes being paid. I get mad about athletes whining. LeBron's out with significant soreness in his knee. Here's the problem. I've always said this about LeBron. You can like him. You can dislike him. Whatever you want to do, you do. Go fight, win, yay, rock. All right? No problem. But you got to beat LeBron four times. You got to beat LeBron four times in a week or 10 days. That ain't easy. Hey, you can beat LeBron on a Wednesday night in February, but here is the deal. He sat out a loss to uh, the Spurs. And really, really, if if LeBron's going to play like he played two days ago or whatever it was when he dropped 56, In the playoffs, you got to be able to come back. And I'm one of those that believe even when Michael Jordan was on the Wizards, now LeBron with a struggling team, if they're in the game, they're going to win. I'm just telling that's how I look at it. You may look at it different, but that's how I look at it. If LeBron's on the other team, you got to beat him four out of seven, good luck. But he's been carrying a low. And this is going to factor I'm not really one that's going to put LeBron and Aaron Rodgers on every day, but I am one that's going to tell you, hey, pay attention to that. Because 56 one night, if that means you got to sit out two playoff games, that's bad business. Uh, Juwan Howard's suspension is over. He met with his team, and now he gets ready for a game Thursday at 1130 against Indiana. I think Michigan's in the NCAA tournament. Phil Martelli did a fine job. I think he ended up 3-2. and two. I think he did a really good job. Uh, Jawan Howard's the coach. I, if you were going to ask me in a one-game deal, do I want Phil Martelli coaching or Jawan Howard, I'll take Phil Martelli 10 times out of 10. He's coached eight, 900 games. If you want who should run Michigan's program, Phil Martelli or Jawan Howard, I'm going to say Jawan Howard 10 times out of 10. It's a big difference between coaching a game and running a program. But Jawan Howard's back. They survived it. I think they're in the tournament no matter what. Indiana has to beat them in Indianapolis. It's a bit of a desperate situation for IU. But Jawan Howard's back. That's going to blank a lot of people off. It doesn't blank me off. Actually, it's going to blank a lot of people off privately because we all know white guys are going to be afraid to say anything other than, well, I agree with the suspension. 
Yeah, I kind of thought he should have been done for the year. I didn't think he should have been fired. But the truth of the matter is, it is what it is. He has a chance now. We'll see if his team rallies. Beat Indiana, they're definitely in with a better seed, and they move on. And Indiana's out of the tournament. Uh, Brittany Griner is still in Russia. I feel bad for Brittany Griner on one hand. I do. I mean, damn, it doesn't seem. And this face is up to about 10 years in prison. Now, I don't know how you all feel. I haven't been to the YouTube chat today. But I'm curious how most people feel about Brittany Griner. Yeah, I mean, should she be in jail for 10 years? Of course not. But how stupid do you have to be to bring any kind of illegal substance into a Russian freaking airport, a war airport, at a time when they hate Americans most? That's just stupid. Take the vape, throw it away, do yourself a favor, get a bottle of vodka if you need to get something mind-altering or relaxing, and do yourself a favor. Get out of the country. Whatever you got to do to get out of the country, you do. And if you're not paying attention to what's happening around your country, then you're even dumber. It's really stupid. I hope she gets out. I hope she has no problem. I mean, she already has a problem. Who knows how long she's been in there. But the truth of the matter is the punishment will not fit the crime. But you know that, don't you? You're an American in Russia. You're a high-profile America in Russia. That can work one of two ways. One, it can work well for you. Diplomatic reasons. The government goes to work. Get her out. Two, Russia can say, hey, screw you. Screw you. And they know that people in America will be all upset. This is an awful situation for everybody. You know, you're old enough, Brittany Griner, to understand, man. Don't bring vape or illegal substances to a Russian airport when you're an American. I had a choice one time, and I asked a bunch of guys at ESPN. Lee and I were doing a game. We were in Portland, and we had a day off. So I'm like, hey, I've never smoked weed in my life. They had a dispensary. We went and got cookies, THC cookies. Guy's like a chemist behind it. He's like, well, do you want relaxation? I'm like, yeah. So they're in a bag, look just like a bag of Oreos, whatever. It wasn't like, you know, wrapped up. So, all right, I tried a cookie. Nothing. Lee's asleep in 10 minutes. Lee's my wife, by the way. Nothing. I'm, what am I doing? So next thing you know, the next day, Lee leaves. I got another day. I do the game. Since I'm doing games, I'm not taking nothing. The next morning, I'm leaving to fly out of Portland to go back to Indianapolis. I got this bag of cookies. You know what I did with the bag? I threw them away. Who the hell wants to risk bringing something in an airport? And that's just part. I assume in Portland, since it's legal, they don't have dogs sniffing stuff, or at least I don't know what the crime would be. But I don't want to be sitting on a plane for four hours going, oh, man, am I going to be arrested? Don't bring illegal stuff to a a freaking airport. And certainly don't do it in Russia. What's the movie, Midnight Express? Every person that thinks they're cooler than everybody else should watch Midnight Express. This generation will risk everything for weed and vape. Man. A lot of gross stuff. A lot of gross stuff on here. I I don't know what's wrong with you, Rick's Bevo. What's wrong with you? 
The YouTube chat is popping. Hey, Britt Aldridge has a great story. He's a head coach at Longwood. We'll talk to Britt and get his story. You will love this story. Stay right here and tell your damn friends. We'll be right back. If you don't know, you're going to know. Coach Britt Aldridge is the head coach of Longwood. Now, I'm not going to – this coach, I don't mean to besmirch Longwood, but Longwood does not have a long history of winning 19 of 20 straight games. So congratulations uh, on getting you fellas into the NCAA tournament. Well, thanks a lot. It's been it's been a great run. Uh, blessed to coach uh, an outstanding group of young men who um, have have really done an outstanding job uh, all season long. You you go there. And But your path is not normal. I want to get into a couple of things, if you don't mind. First, tell people, like, you left an $800,000 a year job to go as a lawyer, to go be a damn, I don't know, director of operations. Walk me through well, this. Well, you know, the, my, my story, you know, has to be understood through, through faith. Um, my, my faith is really important to me, and... and uh, it's something that I, I think, um, you know, God had been working on my heart for years. Uh, and uh, I was involved uh, coaching AAU in uh, the third ward of Houston, which is one of the most impoverished areas of, of Houston out of a Christian ministry called the Forge for Families. And we just had a really special um, uh, AAU program where, uh, we had after school um, uh, education where the kids would come in and and do online uh, reading comprehension and online math. Uh, and then they'd uh, get get uh, dinner served to them from the Houston Food Bank and we'd have a devotional and then they would do individual workouts and and twice a week and team practices. And the beauty of it was we played a ton of tournaments um and you didn't get to play in the tournament unless you'd done the the academic piece uh for four days so it was shocking uh or not surprising on fridays or even saturday mornings before we'd take off for the tournament you'd see a lot of guys going hey uh uh i need to i need to make up monday's uh reading comprehension that i didn't (laughs) do um so we were really using the hook of basketball to to try to um provide some stability and stuff like that and and the reality is um, the, the fruit that we were seeing in those young men uh, was just astounding. And uh, my wife and I actually uh, lived in, in the third ward um, and it was just becoming a bigger part of our life and, and what we felt like was our calling. Um, and so I loved what I was doing in, in private equity at the time. Uh, it was a lot of fun, really challenging. Um, but the the mentoring and the basketball just kept on becoming a bigger piece and um and to the point where it was it was finally hey sweetie do do i need to be thinking about you know reducing my time at the private equity firm i always thought it was just more aau i I never dreamed it would be college basketball um and it was really her who said well if you love basketball i'm all for it but don't you love college and I said, yeah, but it's not like you can just go get a college coaching job, sweetie. Like, uh, it isn't just like getting a, another job at a law firm, um, submitting a resume. And uh, that's where I think there was more divine intervention where, you know, my best friend from college, Ryan Odom, 
um, you know, uh, got the job at UMBC and, um, you know, I, I'd helped him so much with his econ homework for four years that I think he felt like he needed to hire me, uh, as, as, uh, the ops guy. And, and, uh, so, you know, we took the jump and the leap and, uh, um, you know, had an amazing experience with Ryan and, and that staff for a couple of years. But it even goes deeper. You had bladder cancer as a senior in, high, in college, right? I mean, and that, that kind of forced you through Dave Odom to, to not become a coach out of well, college? The, the, yeah, the bladder cancer was a surprise. Um, you know, I, I, I think, you know, my, my college years for, you know, at that point in my faith, I was like, oh, sorry, God, I guess, <laughs> I guess you're getting me. But uh, I know that's not how he works. But yeah, that was a, that was a surprise. I, you know, I, I had always, um, you know, thought grad school would be an important thing. I love basketball. I, I grew up loving the ACC. So I just kind of applied to law schools as a backup plan and, you know, got really close with the Odom family. Um, they were really like second parents um, during my college years. And uh, they offered, you know, he offered me a job. And then we were actually in Milwaukee um, watching Wake Forest in the NCAA tournament. And Ryan just kind of mentioned to his mother, you know, hey, Griff just got into Virginia Law School. And, um, and his, you know, his mom, you know, of course was super excited and, and, you know, coach Odom was sitting in the corner and, and heard it and goes, well, you're not coming to, you're not coming to wake anymore, man. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, what? And he said, look, you can always coach. You, you can't, you, you need to go differentiate yourself. You're not, you, you're not, you're not coming to wake anymore. And uh, so, you know, I ended up going to law school. So how walk people through, because, you know, again, Coach Odom, I totally understand that. I mean, like if it were my son, I'd be like, hey, look, it's great. You're going to go be the, you know, Wake Forest director of ops. But Virginia Law School is Virginia Law School. You're the gratis or you're the uh, ops guy uh, at UMBC. How does it fall that you end up at Longwood as the head coach? You know, the, it's kind of the, an interesting story. The president, Taylor Reevely, um, you know, we both, we, we have a lot of similar circles. Um, you know, we, we, uh, competed against each other in, in high school, didn't know each other. Um, but, uh, some of his, uh, colleague or some of his best friends at, at Princeton, um, uh, where he played football, uh, my best friend from high school, um, was, uh, one of my best friends from high school, uh, was one of his good friends at Princeton and so I think he just kind of followed my story. And, you know, I, I still remember when I first met with, with him and he kind of mentioned the job, you know, I, I had a conversation with him and I, I was confident he was reaching out to me to talk about Ryan. You know, Ryan had had great success at UMBC and you may not know this, but the college we went to Hampton, Sydney is about five miles away from Longwood. And so uh, we're very familiar with this community and, and uh, have, have great experiences and memories here. And I thought, oh, he's, he wants me to talk to him about Ryan and see if Ryan would be interested in coming to Longwood. And, uh, and then he mentioned to me and I said, well, well, wait a second. Do you, do you know my role here on the staff? And, uh, <laughs> and he, you know, credit, 
credit President Reveley. I think he has really tried to hire outside the box. Uh, and, you know, he told me, he said, you know, I think you, you know, in talking with Troy Austin, who is the AD, we think you can figure out the X's and O's, but it's really about building a culture and, and building uh, a program that has us interested in you. How much of being a lawyer has uh, helped Massively, you? massively. Um, you know, I was a, a corporate lawyer, not a, not a uh, litigator. So I didn't try cases. I, I um, was involved with deals. And, you know, when you're a corporate lawyer, you know, yes, there's, there's documentation that you're working through, but you're also managing a team. So I, I would do capital markets transactions where, uh, you know, clients would, would be raising uh, money or representing investment banks. And, you know, you're working with environmental lawyers, you're working with tax lawyers, you're working with ERISA lawyers. Um, and so oftentimes, yes, you're working on documentation and negotiating purchase agreements and, and closing certificates and all the rest of it, but you're also managing a, a, a project and overseeing a lot of different moving parts to make sure that the, the deal, you know, gets to the finish line. And so, um, you know, as part of that, you, you really get to see uh, a lot of team, you know, there's a lot of teamwork. Uh, you're working collaboratively uh, to try to achieve, you know, a, a certain outcome. And in many ways, you know, you also get to see a lot of different clients and you get to see some clients that do things really well. And you get to see some clients who are, who do things really poorly and sloppy. And, um, and so it, it really shapes a lot of how you, um, you know, how you, how you see things. The other thing is, you know, I was a, a, at Vincent and Elkins, um, you know, big firm down in Houston. Uh, I had the, the, the blessing to be at Goldman Sachs for a little bit. Um, and being inside some of these elite organizations, you, you get to see the values that, that uh, breed success. And, um, you know, you, you start to understand that, that it's really more about culture than it is just about talent. And, you know, you definitely need talent. Um, but, you know, like here at Longwood, we say there's plenty of players who are good enough to, to play it at Longwood. But, you know, do they have the character to, to fit our culture and what we're trying to build? And um, honestly, I think the character of our guys has been the difference uh, for us this year. Um, we've had an un unbelievably unselfish team. Um, we've got returners who had come back and no doubt, you know, we're, we're hoping to have great personal seasons. Uh, we've had some big time transfers come in who no doubt were trying to make their mark and, and, uh, and prove themselves and, and to a man, uh, each one of them, uh, has, has, you know, sacrificed uh to put the team before the their own personal ego and their own personal success and um i can't say enough about that and uh how how proud i am of of that as much as as much as the wins you know it's interesting because you mentioned something earlier that i want to go back to you know the president said hey you'll figure out the x's and o's i mean how let me go this route with you because i i think a lot of that is is very overrated. I think what you're talking about is the absolute main thing in college basketball. But 
You coached a ton of AAU games. Were the X's and O's oh, different? massive. For, well, it, you know, to be honest with you, it the game had changed a lot. Um, you know, I I was a creature of habit. I played for Tony Shaver. Um, you know, I had the blessing to play for two really great coaches. My high school coach won over 500 games uh, in Virginia. Uh, Dave Trickler, late recently passed away, um, but was a master at the relationship side. Um, I went to a private school and, and his biggest deal was trying to fool us into thinking we were better than we were because uh, uh, we weren't very good. Uh, and then Tony Shaver, who, who finished his <laughs> career at, at William and Mary, uh, Ryan Odom and I both say he's probably one of the best coaches uh, we've ever been around. So I, I feel like I got great experience. And then, you know, my college career, I, I joke, you know, I was on the bench, you know, most of the time. So I got a lot of experience, you know, sitting and watching. So uh, kind of what I'm doing now. But, um, but um, you know, I, I think that piece to be able to, to, to see how those, those two coaches kind of operated was, was really critical. Um, but the X and O's, you know, the game has really changed more into a ball screen, um, you know, than when I played, it was a lot more screening and passing and cutting. We ran kind of the old Carolina uh, secondary break and, and motion game. Um, and, you know, to now it's, it's much, much more fluid. I'm a, I'm a control freak a little bit and, uh, to kind of loose, learn to loosen the reins and let the guys shoot the ball, um, you know, from three, uh, if they can get it off, you know, it's probably a good shot, uh, if they're good shooters. Um, and that's been a, that's been a big adjustment for me, but, you know, I, I one quick interesting tidbit, the COVID year was really interesting for us. You know, when things shut down, um, we really worked hard as a staff to try to uh, use that time to, to get smarter uh, as coaches. And I think that was really, I think that was really helpful for us. See, I want to go to that because a lot of coach, you that's thinking like a lawyer to me. Like my whole family's lawyers. I'm the black sheep. There, my God, my brother's a lawyer, corporate lawyer, but now he, all he does is big ass deals. My sister was a prosecutor, uncle's lawyers, blah 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 blah. That's the lawyer thinking. A lot of college coaches that I had the opportunity to talk to during the pandemic, I mean, truthfully, kind of bitched and tried to figure out, I don't know, how to practice or something. But you took it a different way. You took it in, 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 in your individual improvement, not only you, but your staff. How did that impact? What specific improvements did you well, all make? I mean, we, you know, um, specifically, I think our, our offense um, got a lot better. Um, you know, we I personally kind of like the European style, how how they play with the ball moving and and more of a flow. I think that's harder to defend. Um, and, uh, you know, Ryan Pannone, I don't know if you know him, was hosting a lot of, uh, uh, you know, Zoom calls and things like that uh, with some of the European coaches, some of the big time European coaches. Um, and, you know, Ryan Odom, uh, got me on those, on those, uh, calls. Uh, and so we would pay attention. We really spent time, um, looking at our, our motion offense and why we were getting stagnant, um, and came up with some real principles about, okay, this is what we need to kind of 
teach our guys that, look, when the, the ball's being dribbled at you, this is what you do. When the ball's going this way, this is what you do. And these are your the different, uh, you know, actions that, um, you know, again, general principles. We don't want to be a team that's, hey, every time it does this, you do this. Um, but really being able to, to learn how to just play the game. And for us, I think it was learning how to, how we could better teach the game to, to our guys. And some of that was just, you know, be honest with you, Dan, it was learning. Um, you know, it was, it was really trying to understand, you know, I think our ball screen, um, offense really improved, um, you know, Fran Fraschilla had some good stuff where he's teaching, you know, some things we took, uh, some of the uh, European, uh, how they were teaching uh, ball screen. And we kind of- The uh, national tornado drill has begun. Please go to the tornado shelter in the nearest building and await an all- Sorry about that. Didn't, there was a- Well, there you go. We better yeah, take cover. No, it's a, <laughs> but, you know, we, we kind of blended that. Um, we really blended that to kind of create our own system um, to try to teach, teach our guys how to, how to play out of ball screens, um, you know, one through five. What do you do now? Well, I mean, look, you're in a great spot, right? Everybody else is battling. You can sit back. You guys won. So what's this week? What, what, what is this week? I, I, I assume, you know, you learn Sunday, you get going, prepare, what are you doing this well, week? I gotta, I've got to take my my son to his first baseball practice, and my daughter's playing uh, softball for the first time, so I'll do that tonight. Um, so, yeah. uh, you know, honestly, and I, I'm kind of kidding on that. Um, I, I took my kids to school today, you know, on purpose just to get some sense of normalcy back. And, you know, I think for us to be successful um, and have a good showing in the dances, we've got to just – do what we do and um, stay focused on our principles. We'll, we've given the guys a couple days off and we'll get back at it and sharpen our saw and do our daily vitamins. But, you know, I want our guys to enjoy this moment and not allow the moment to be too big. Um, this is an incredible life experience for, you know, not only our team, but our university and community. Um, and just for them to just, embrace it and have a great time and um look we just need to play longwood basketball and if if you know we say this all the time that we want to pour into the root and if we can play with you know great focus effort and have a great attitude you know we'll let the chips fall where they may and we can you know win or lose uh we can feel really good about you know how how we how we performed and so that's where I want our, our mindset to be. And, um, and, uh, that's where we'll be, we'll be, we will be pushing our guys. Coach, I got to ask you before I let you go, you were there, UMBC over Virginia, which, you know, um, you're, you're a proud alum of the Virginia law school, but yet you're on the staff of UMBC. I asked Ryan this. I think he came on my show a couple times, actually, after. But for you, when did it hit you, like what you guys had really accomplished by being the first team as a 16 seed to beat a one seed? Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting. Ryan, I think Ryan said this, uh, said it well. You know, the, it, it was more surreal than it was. 
you know, the Vermont victory to get into the dance in some ways was so much more emotional because Vermont had just dominated the America East and frankly, it dominated us um, at UMBC. And so to win that game was, was unbelievably special. The, the UVA game was just like we were in a dream, or at least I felt like we were in a dream. And, um, um, you know, I, I, I do remember a, a clear moment, um, eight minutes left in the game, uh, and we were up 20. And I looked at uh, Bryce Crawford, who was uh, one of the assistants, and he's, I said, I don't think they can score. They don't score fast enough to get back into this game. And he said, yeah, I think you're right. And that's, that's when I kind of knew, man, I think we're going to win this thing. Um, and that was just unbelievably magical. Um, and, but, you know, Ryan, I, I will say real quickly, Ryan, one of the great joys of, of certainly my, my uh, basketball career has been watching a great buddy um you know, who I've known since he was 18 and a knucklehead, um, you know, really become an elite coach and be so good at his craft and, and how he managed that team um, and, and led us was, was just remarkable. And, you know, I remember in, in, when I was in law school, there were some times people would say stuff in class and I'd be like, wow, they they have a lot more horses, you know, in, in their, you know, running fast and hard in their head than I do. And that, that concept never would have crossed my mind. Like I I'm never getting there. And, uh, and, you know, being able to watch Ryan coach and, and see some of the things he'd do. And I was like, wow, like, you know, that's big time. I would never have, have thought to do that. And uh, so that was just a really special experience. And, um, I think I got, it was fun to have an up, up front row seat to, to watch him do, do his work then. Coach, I can't thank you enough, man. It's great, it great stuff. I mean, the, your journey is unlike any others, and I think it's very, very cool. I haven't even talked about you adopting kids, you and your wife. I mean, my yeah. God. Like, you're the kind of person that I wish I wish all of us that were in and around college basketball, you know, I wish there was more of you in college basketball. Yeah, I, really I think do. there's a lot of um, us. There's a lot of us. There's a lot less than you'd think, but uh, I appreciate I appreciate you coming on, man. No, really. I mean, I, I we're going to root like hell for you. You have lost one game since December 22nd. <laughs> That's the greatest year. Like, you know this. Losing is misery. You didn't. You only had to be miserable for a couple days since December 22nd. How about Dan, that? You don't, you don't know me. I can, I can generate some misery uh, even on a good day. <laughs> yeah, I saw that in the article. But, hey, man, congratulations, Coach. Look forward to talking to you this afternoon, man. You're great Thanks, with I us. Thank you. appreciate it. Y'all be good. You got it. Yeah. I tell you what, man. I wish more dudes were like that. I, 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 I'm so tired of reading about, you know, the guys that are in federal trials or Duke having to look at financial records before they recruit someone. This guy has a ministry, basically, of basketball, and I think it's freaking awesome, Griff Aldridge. I do, and I think I hope more people know his story, and I hope 
that, you know, I know we got to tell only, you know, uh, I know we only got to tell the big shot stories. And I know ESPN says only tell diverse stories. You know, well, this is a diverse story. He adopted three African-American kids. So ESPN, you can tell this story. It's a great one. Instead of every 10 minutes, we got to worry about some idiot assistant coaches not shaking hands or some idiot coach punching somebody over the top. I mean, can we tell a story of somebody that is just, I don't know, worth telling? I mean, we had another Krzyzewski crying video yesterday ad. Jeez, I mean, do we have to always have that? Can't we tell this story? Seriously. I mean, honest to God. These are the stories. He's right, though. He's right and I'm wrong. He's right. There are more people like him than are given credit. There is no question about it. None. Zero. Zip. But damn, if I got to look at Krzyzewski yelling at a crowd or assistants going like this, I mean, what? That's not real coaches. That's the uh, prolet, no, no, what's it? The bourgeoisie. That's the pain in the ass coaches. That's the million dollar a day coaches. Real coaches are guys like Coach Griff there who just grind it out. These superstars, shit. Don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. Another commercial of Coach K crying yesterday. Poor Coach K. Coach K's great. But don't you get tired of every 10 minutes, every 10 minutes, we got to hear about Coach K or somebody involved. Hey, look, we couldn't recruit Zion Williamson until we looked at his financial records. What? And then all the dookies on TV are going to tell us how guys like me are wrong. How No, we're not wrong. There are more guys like that than you'll ever know because you won't know. Because, you know, we're not allowed to tell those stories. ESPN literally at their meeting said, well, you know, uh, only tell diverse stories. There's a lot of great stories, black, white, diverse. No, there are a lot of great stories. There's a lot. There's a bunch. So, you know. All right. When we come back, um, the lockout is interesting. Let me go through a couple things that I got to get with Tucker Barnhart. Is it true that one of the sticking points, I don't think it's a sticking point, is um, bigger bases, which I say they should have. I've always said they should do that men's fast pitch softball, have the base and have the orange base at first base. Bigger bases, DH, but what's the real story here? Tucker Barnhart will be the smartest person that you will know. Tucker is the catcher, just got traded from the Reds to the Tigers for the Tigers. Tucker is a great catcher. There are There is not a better catcher in baseball. He won the Golden Glove in the National League. To do that, who you got to beat out? You got to beat out Yadi Molina. Well, Tucker also understands the politics and the economics of baseball as well. So I wanted to get him on as we head into, is this season going to be canceled? Remember, Kyle Ravitch the other day put out a tweet, basically, not basically, saying it is appearing more likely that baseball this season will be canceled. When Ravi puts it out, I listen. Ravi doesn't posture. Ravi just simply tells you the truth. So, you know, at the end of the day, Let's hear from Tucker Barnett. I like, I like bringing you smart people 
Like, if you're going to watch out, you can watch these other shows and you could see only the diverse stories. Or you can listen to LeBron or you can hear people defend Russell Westbrook. Or you can hear about Aaron Rodgers. I like to give you smart people that have opinions. That's, to me, what OutKick is about. So we'll talk to um, my friend. We can also talk pedicures with him as well. We can. We can talk pedicures. Is $10 a gallon coming? You guys, 81 81 million people supposedly voted for this nonsense. 81 million. Not a chance in hell. And don't even at me because I grew up in an area where people are in jail for voter fraud. Don't even try it. Don't even try it. Period. Stay awake. Don't go to sleep. Those mail-in votes, they come at night. They come at night. Late at night. 81 million of you voted for this crap. Murder rates all-time high. Gas prices through the roof. We got a war going on. I remember only a few short years ago, none of this. We didn't hear a word about inflation. We didn't hear a word about ISIS. Or not ISIS. We didn't have a word about wars. Now, geez, good for you guys. If that's what you want, you got it, man. You got it. All right. We'll be back. We're going to come back. We're going to talk some baseball with our friend Tucker Barnhart. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, it's a great Tucker Barnhart. Those of you that don't know, you should know if you're a baseball fan at all. Gold Glove. Winner in the National League. Now, the reason I say that uh, that specifically is because you got Yachty Molina in the National League. And you know what? Tucker's won a gold glove. They're now traded to the Detroit Tigers. Uh, Smartest dude you will know when it comes to all of this stuff that we're getting ready to talk about, which is the lockout. All right, I got to go to a few things. Really simple question, my friend. And first, thanks for joining us. Simple question. What's the biggest holdup right now? Uh, It's the uh, CBT thresholds, the collective... uh balance tax what does that it's, mean uh, it, so the it's basically a threshold um that gives that if teams approach the threshold when it comes to spending money on on players uh, that if they go above it they get taxed uh on the threshold and so for as a players association as a union we feel that um if the number's higher um that gives more teams the ability to spend more money um, without being penalized. Uh, I, the, the easiest example I can give is that if, if a team, say there's 15 teams that are actively out there spending money and, and uh, trying to make their team better that way, um, hopefully we can get it to 20. Uh, and by raising that number, we feel that there are more teams that have the ability to spend money on players um, only as opposed to spend money on players and uh, and pay the penalties on the on the on the back end. So hopefully we can uh, get that thing moved up and uh, get some more money spent on players. All right, two things. One, is that the luxury tax that people have always talked about? And two, how far apart are the two sides? Uh, that is the luxury tax uh, that, that that you're hearing and that you're seeing out there. Um, we're in. In the last few days, we've grown. Uh, we've grown closer. Uh, I would say uh, the 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 number that seems to be a little bit further apart um, is the percentage of growth 
that the players feel uh, is necessary to add into that number. So if, uh, if the number starts at roughly 235 um, and, and we want it to incrementally grow by uh, at least $5 million, so in, in a five-year period, get that up to, to 250, 255, uh, the league doesn't feel like it needs to grow that high. Uh, so the overall number, uh, the the threshold number, we're getting closer. It's the growth period or the growth that we're uh, a little bit far apart. But uh, I'm optimistic. We had a good call yesterday. Um, the the meet, the the lawyers from both sides had a good meeting yesterday. So hopefully we can uh, get close to something here uh, relatively soon. Let, let me go to that because Kyle Ravage, who doesn't really spout off a whole lot. A day or day and a half ago, maybe two days, I guess, put out that he's not going to be surprised if the season gets canceled. I saw that and I thought, God dang, what are we talking about? But you feel different, right? You feel like it's it's starting to the gap starting to close. You know, I, I I couldn't uh, differ more in, in in my opinion uh, than he than he does. Um, I, I think that both sides understands and knows what the what damage first of all i think that we're doing to the game now uh from from a fan standpoint even missing uh six or seven games but but missing a full season i think uh to be quite honest is asinine to even think that that could be a possibility i I think that we as a players union and i think the ownership kind of echoes the same thing that we need baseball that that uh the game can't withstand a full season missed uh, especially i mean coming off the heels of the 2020 season. Um, I think we, we have to play baseball. I think both sides know that. And like I said, I think we're we're getting closer uh, than we are growing further apart, in my opinion. When, when you look at – you know, fans saw a bunch of ancillary stuff. So let me, let me ask you about it. Um, bigger bases, DH in both leagues, no shifts. Uh, what was the other one? 14-second um, – clock when nobody is on 19 second when a player is on where, where does all this stuff fit in that fans are seeing and going oh, okay they're close I, I would be i would be blatantly honest and say that i feel like if we can agree both sides can agree on a cbt number uh that everything else is going to take care of itself uh i really do i think that's the biggest that's the biggest hang up on both sides and it, and, and i don't think it's i mean there may be one or two other things that are that are close to that but i think with a an agreement on a CBT, I think that we will be very inclined. Both sides will be to to figure those other things out in a very short order. I think that once you see an agreement on a CBT, uh, whenever that comes, I think it'll be very quickly after that that the entire deal itself will be finished. Does is part of the CBT just so people you know? There's been talk where you guys approved a uh, basically it was approved a $200,000 increase from base for sake of argument, 500,000 minimum to 700,000 minimum. And a number of other things were improved. I was listening to uh, oh, a lawyer on mad dog radio and he said, Scott Boris came in and blew the whole thing up a week ago. Is that true? I haven't heard anything like that. Um, I know that that that's a narrative that's out there often. Um, because I think that Scott is extremely, extremely good at what he does. Um, I think he makes players a lot of money. Um, And at the end of the day, the owners are the guys that are paying those players that he's made record deals. Um, So I think that there's a little bit of that in there. Um, I haven't heard or seen. I've I've not – 
I've never spoken to Scott and I've not heard anything of the, of the sorts as far as him coming in and, and blowing anything up at all. I think what I read was like through Scherzer. Scherzer's been a little nutty in this, huh? He's going after people. Yeah, but I think, you know, I, I, I believe that he's doing it in a very calculated, prepared way. I think everything that, that he's, that he's doing from a, from a player leadership role has been for benefiting the players. I don't think it's an own, his own agenda whatsoever. Um, I think he's looking out for all uh, types of players, young, old veterans, uh, rookies. And he's in a, he's in a unique position where he could very easily say, you know what the hell with this, I, I signed the, the biggest deal per year in baseball history. I need to get on the field to make money. Uh, but I, I, he's done the complete opposite. He wants a fair deal. He wants the right deal for our game. Um, and so I commend Max a lot. He's been, he's been himself. Uh, he's, he's, he's a unique dude that, that is uber competitive, that um, is not afraid. He's not afraid to tell you how he feels. Um, and he's done exactly that on all the calls that I've been on, uh, everything that I've read and heard. Um, but like I said, he's doing it for the benefit of, of all the players and not just a certain a certain class of, uh, of players. So I'm, I'm extremely proud that he's done what he's done. Hey, Tucker, you're on these calls. Do you have players like after a call? Do you have players like, hey, man, I'm in Venezuela. I got to, you know, I got to make some money. I mean, is there... Is there players, you know, from behind coming at you all the time to not only see what's done but to get this done? Yeah, man, they uh, it's it's a unique position. It's a, it's a tough position at times to be to be on these calls because um, Andrew Miller put it really good um, a, a week or so ago where he said, "Hey guys, we're and this is on a call of about 40 guys, 40 players and he said it's really easy to to get all of us on the same page, all 40 guys on the same page, but it's not just about getting all of us on the same page. It's about getting 1,200 guys on the same page, and that's hard to do. Um, so uh, I would say unlike the 2020 season um, when we were dealing with COVID and all that stuff, um, uh, it's a lot easier for guys, and I think uh, I've, I've heard a lot more guys on the same page this time around than, than in 2020. Um, I think everybody understands – uh, what we're trying to do. And I think at the end of the day, you're trying to leave the game better than when you found it. And um, uh, it's when you there's, I've had guys, I've talked to guys that are, that are kind of misinformed or, or out of the loop. And once you inform them on what's going on and how uh, we're being treated as far as the offers and negotiations are concerned or lack thereof, um, I think it's a lot easier to kind of get behind and get everybody on the same page when you, uh, when you're informed and you know fully what's going on. That was actually my next question. How much misinformation is out there? Like, do you read something and go, that's just not true? Yeah, I think, I mean, I listen to you every day, so I know exactly how you feel. But I think it's out there for every with everything uh, in the media. I think there's a spin <laughs> yeah. on everything, uh, no matter what side you're on, no matter what you're talking about. Um, but there is a lot. Uh, there's some misinformation out there. Uh, there's a lot of media members that are uh, kind of in pocket with uh, with Major League Baseball. Uh, they're paid by Major League Baseball, so I mean it's pretty clear what they're gonna, what slant they're gonna have. Um, but you know the biggest one that I saw that that kind of that, that frustrated me, or for lack of a better term, pissed me off was the. Um, I think it was on Tuesday before the first games were canceled, or Monday night. Uh, there were calls all 
all day and, and even into the wee hours of the morning. Um, and when, before I went to bed, I read a, a tweet from a certain MLB writer that said there's extreme optimism that a deal could be done within the next 24 hours. And I, uh, no, no fault of anybody but my own, I, I got optimistic and I was pumped. I was talking to my wife and my boys about when we were going to leave to go to Florida and all this stuff. And then I get on a call the next morning uh, with our union guys and with our leadership. And they were just talking about how false it was and how far apart we still were. And so obviously I was pissed and bummed about that. But uh, like I said, it's no matter what you're talking about, no matter what side you're on, there's a slant to anything. And unfortunately uh, I fell for it, <laughs> but uh, but now I'm just leaning on our, our leadership and uh, and hopefully we can, like I said, get something done here soon. One of the great things on my show is when you text me something <laughs> where we basically know the information is complete bullshit, right? And you're like, you're like, ah, oh, that's crap or whatever. Is Major League Baseball, uh, are they, you know, we always hear this term, are they bargaining in good faith? Um, I would say for the most part, uh, to be honest with you, I don't know. I mean, I have my own definition of what good faith is, I guess, when you're, when you're talking about this stuff. Um, but I don't know by letter of the law what that's considered, but there's been some things that, I mean, like the misinformation out there painting us kind of as being the bad guys when at the end of the day, we're just, I mean, it, it, it's, it sounds shitty to say, but we're the show and owners are making more than they've ever made now. And as being part of the show, we feel like it's necessary to get paid. They're compensated more fair. And uh, that's all we're asking for is just based on the, the, the average annual growth of the game and where it's headed. We just want to kind of be on par with, with what's going on and not stuck, not stuck in the past. When, when Rob Dibble, um, man, he just, he's been on my, my show here and my show, you know, in Indy. And he, he just goes off, and I want you – here's what he says. He basically says, don't believe for a second that baseball is going anywhere. You look at the, you look at the contracts. You look at the attendance. He goes, don't, don't believe any of that stuff. And I assume that's what you guys do as players. You look – you have – I don't know if anybody's opening their books to you, but you can do some math on what money is being made by teams. You know TV contracts for individual teams – so that to me says baseball's going nowhere when the narrative is, well, it's leaving. No, it's not even a little bit. It's, it's, it's very healthy. Is it not? I think so. Uh, I think unfortunately we've had to negotiate these, these deals um, the last couple of years that, that have maybe put a bruise on it, but it's by no means is it going anywhere. Um, and I feel very fortunate. That. Hell I'm a, I'm a baseball fan first. I, I just, I'm very blessed to be, be good at it and, and be able to do it for my, for my job. But I would still watch baseball if I wasn't in the position that I am, I'm a fan. Um, but I mean, there's things that have been out there. The Braves, uh, was the most recent one that I saw. I think they, their profit margin, they hit like a $500 million profit in, in, in 19, the year before the pandemic. And I think Forbes did an article, uh, back in, uh, dating back as far as 2002, uh, so all the way up to through 2019, that that it, in 2019 the net revenue of the league was 10.7 billion dollars, and that was the 17th straight year that it had uh, the revenues had grown. So I mean, 
it's just that's that was only three years ago and i know we've been through a pandemic and all of this stuff but major league baseball is getting ready i'm not going to say who it's with you'll see it in the next day or so but the league itself is getting ready to sign a, a new deal with a streaming service that that is going to uh, break a lot of records <laughs> so it's not going anywhere man it's really not and and i think what we're doing is just trying to prep ourselves for the the growth that is just inevitable uh with with streaming and with with just everything post pandemic i mean people want to get to the ballparks people want to get to stadiums and see games because they've been gone so long from doing that and uh it's it's not going anywhere it's got a couple of bruises for sure but it's sure as hell going to be here to stay when you negotiate and you're on these calls, I, I don't know nothing, but how much of an excuse do owners, does ownership make about the pandemic? It's been, it, it, to me, it, it's like they think that we don't remember what was going on pre-pandemic as far as the money and stuff's concerned. It, it, it really, it's crazy right. I, for, the, for the longest time. And our lawyers have done a great job with the union and just kind of calling bullshit on a lot of it <laughs> because there's just, like I said, there in 2019, their, their net revenue was 10.7 billion with a B billion dollars. And I mean, that's, <laughs> that's not, that's no secret to anybody. Like that's a lot of, a lot of money. Um, and even if they're, I mean, it's, everybody took a hit in 2020, obviously, and still recovering from that now, but, it's there. The, the crying poor narrative is the biggest uh, load of shit that somebody can believe, to be honest with you, uh, when you just kind of sift through all the the thoughts of millionaires and billionaires arguing about money. When you really kind of sift through and listen to what some of the, some some of these things that are being said, it just to believe that these organizations aren't profitable that it's it's hard to own a own a franchise all of these things it just makes me want to puke to be honest with you what do you say to fans that are like hey you got greedy players and greedy owners well i think unfortunately um unfortunately all labor negotiate and there there's labor negotiations and i'm saying anything you don't know but they're labor negotiations and in a lot of jobs, most jobs. And, and if you're in a position where you as, as an employee are helping the owner benefit, you're going to go and ask for a raise. I mean, that's just the way life is. And, and you, if you, if an owner came to you and said, or it was public knowledge that the, that the owners or the, the employers uh, were, were profiting and netting more money than they've ever in their life. And they wanted to pay you less or the same that they did 10 years prior to their most lucrative years in their, in their tenure. I mean, you would call bullshit on that. I, I, you would say, well, wait, hold on a minute. Like I've worked my ass off to help put you in this position. I feel like it's fair and necessary for me to, to be, to be compensated at least fairly, not, not unfairly, not, not more than, than, than what is deemed fair, but just fairly. And again, that's all we're asking for is just based on what's where the game is and how much money that has been made in the last decade plus just to be compensated fairly. That's all it is. Can you give me, you know, I, I mentioned Ravi's tweet and your response to it, and you think it's moving closer. 
Can you, you know, can you give a timeline on when you think, like a week from today? And uh, can you give a, any kind of timeline that you feel? I wish I could. I really do. It's just everything is. I mean, we had an impromptu phone call yesterday at 3 p.m. So I, I, other than that, I have no idea. I, I wish I could tell you the deal will get done tomorrow, <laughs> Friday, over the weekend, whatever. Um, I just really don't know. I just the only thing I, I will say is that, and this is no. Uh, breaking news by any means is that teams, their local, their RSNs, their regional sports networks, they, uh, the threshold for them to either, I think, get penalized or get paid uh, from those companies is between 140 and 150 games. And so obviously a, a deadline can be hard and fast. It could be a load of shit. You don't know, but the calendar is kind of the calendar. Um, and, and we're running out of time. Uh, as far as getting to that 140, 150 game threshold, if we if we start canceling more games, so maybe uh, when we get to where that no, those numbers are threatened, something will happen. I just I just really don't know. How, how much spring training do you think players need? I, I would say I always think I've always thought spring training is too long. Um, it, normally, so I would say three or four weeks. I, I think four weeks on the long end. Uh, but I, I think gone are days. Gone are the days where guys go to spring training to get in shape to play. Uh, I mean, there's where I work out in the, in the off season. Um, there's, I mean, live at bats. There's guys throwing to, to hitters basically every other day. And so usually you go to spring training to get those live work in that live work in and stuff. But bullpens and, and live at bats and stuff like that are happening almost every day. So so I think guys get to spring training ready to go and ready to play games. So I would say anywhere from Three three plus weeks is is what we need. Yeah, if you're going to spring training to get in shape, you're you're the outlier, right? right? I mean, you're you're what are you what are you <laughs> no doing doubt. based on what no doubt about you it. guys do? No doubt about it. Wait, hey, last thing before I let you go, the Tigers, baby. You went from the Reds, which is close to home, to the Tigers, which isn't that. Close to home, but it's not that far. It's an easy drive. Your thoughts on your team? I'm excited, man. I I, uh, I needed a change. Um, I think the position that the Reds are in, they got a really good young catcher in Tyler Stevenson. He earned the right to play. Uh, but again, I've I think I've earned the right to play every day as well. So I'm excited to go to an opportunity where I'm going to be able to do that. Um, we're going to be good. Uh, before the lockout, we signed Eduardo Rodriguez and Javi Baez. Uh, Eduardo's pitching the World Series and Javi's won the World Series. He's one of the most electrifying players in the league. Um, I go from one Hall of Famer in Joey Votto to another Hall of Famer in Miguel Cabrera at first base. So um, we're going to be good. I, everything I talked with A.J. Hinch and Chris Fetter, our pitching coach, uh, before before we weren't allowed to speak, um, was that of optimism and, uh, <laughs> and um, that they weren't done. Uh, so obviously maybe things have changed. I'm not sure, but uh, – we're in a position to, to make a run, make a run uh, to, to get to the playoffs, and uh, that's all you can ask for. Hey, last thing. What is the impact of bigger bases? I, I, I guess less injuries. <laughs> that's one of the things for me that's like I just don't understand. Um, I can get with a lot of things, but I just don't understand. There, there will be no part of me that has any bit of an argument for or against bigger bases. I think it's the most <laughs> biggest waste of time right. ever. You want them to have them. I don't, if that gets us a deal, then by all means, take your big-ass bases. I don't care. 
A four, 14 seconds between pitches with nobody on, 19 seconds, you're a catcher. You good with it, that? To be honest with you, I don't know. I, I would assume so. I don't think it, it probably takes care of itself anyway. I, I would bet there's probably uh, two or three times in a game, in an entire game, where it takes longer than that. So that, again, that too, to me, in my opinion, is if you want it, take it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, no shifts. Where are you at with no I'm shifts? I'm all for no shifts because it'll, it'll take my roll. I know take you my are. Over single to right field and <laughs> bring it back in the game, baby. I'm hitting 300. <laughs> I know. I know. Like, that's so stupid to ask a, uh, an everyday player about no give, shifts. Give me really? no holes, baby. What are you going to say? Yeah, I love a good <laughs> shift. You educated me. You, you did. You educated me because I'm sitting there going, wait a second. Hey, man, everybody's over here. Just hit it that way. And you're like, really? 97-mile-an-hour fastball in on your hands, and you think you're going that it's way hard with as it? hell. You totally educated. <laughs> hard as hell. <laughs> hey, ro- robo-umpires, out. what are you out. at with that? I'm out on that. I hate it. I want to I I hold off on that as long as we possibly can. Because, I mean, it's part of my job to try you to think fool it- those guys. <laughs> if, if I can't fool those guys, it takes a, right. it takes a big thing off my plate that, that to be honest, I get paid for. So <laughs> I don't want anything to do with them. Right, because you're the best framer in the league. You got to be able to frame. Let me let me let me last thing to that point. Why would anybody really want? I mean, do would why would any, I mean? I get to get the deal done. You don't care. I, I totally get all that. But I'm talking about once the deal's done and now you got Robo. Why would any player really want that? I, I just I would see I would say and this is a pure assumption is purely purely my opinion that more pitchers will want it than hitters. Um, I think at the end of the day, yeah. I my personal opinion is the fix that would that would help out home plate umpiring is something in which that they're publicly publicly held accountable. Uh, we we're p- held accountable if we if we swing at a bad pitch or we take a ball right down the middle. Um, and we're publicly crucified. But these guys, I mean, they get held accountable by their umpires association or their umpire union or whatever it is. Uh, but there's nothing that's like publicly out there for them. Uh, I think that's the fit. That would be the fix, in my opinion, as far as not going all the way to a robo umpire. I think that's kind of uh, I don't think that the technology there is is there for that. I mean, you got guys throwing 100 miles an hour. I just – everything that, that the league is saying, that, that that the public is saying is that speed the game up. Speed the game up, it's boring. But, I mean, how are you going to speed the game up if you have an umpire that's checking whether it was a ball or strike every single pitch? I just don't – I just don't think it – I think it's counterproductive uh, for what the what the league wants. All right, last, last, <laughs> last thing. Is there – don't mention his name. Is there an umpire that you know, ah, crap, I got to sit with his ass all day behind home plate? And you just don't like, like in every in every walk of life, there's someone you don't like. Is there an umpire like, ah, oh, this jackass is going to be right behind me all day, miserable to be there's around? There's a few of them for a few different reasons. <laughs> some stink, some don't. What are the reasons? Don't 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 tell me who, but what would the reasons? Somebody's be? gear smells. Somebody leans all over you. Somebody talks way too much. Somebody's just bad at their job. <laughs> yeah, I get it. <laughs> 
I mean, I had a, I had a friend who was a referee that always smelled like sausage. I'm like, dude, brush your freaking teeth. <laughs> they get, Stop it. You come over. Hey, and when they're right over your shoulder, too, breathing in your, breathing in your nose and stuff. Ooh, buddy, oh. it gets hot back there. Oh. <laughs> yeah, a hot day in Cincinnati, and you got, you know, big fat guy slobbering on you, breathing sausage, going like, no. no doubt. Hey, you're the best, man. Go get a no, good workout in. Have a great day. You. Thank you. See you, brother. That's the great Tucker Barnhart. I'm telling you, he's the best catcher in baseball. If you ever watch a baseball game of Tucker Barnhart, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that Tucker Barnhart saves more runs than any catcher you're ever going to see. I literally saw him on numerous occasions dominate a game against the Cubs when he was with the Reds. I don't think he got a hit, but just blocking balls, keeping runners at bay, throwing guys out. I mean, I'm telling you, Tucker Barnhart is an amazing baseball player and a uber, uber, uber smart dude. I'm glad he's my friend. Uh, We bonded over pedicures. There's a place called Pinkies in Zionsville, which is on the west side of Indy. And we both lived in Zionsville, and I would go to Pinkies. They called me Mr. Dan because I'm Big Tipper. That's right. I'm Big Tipper. When I get a pedicure, if someone's going to go down there and rub me up nice, you're getting a tip. Damn right you are. Shoot, I've not had a Manny but one time. It was all right. But I'm telling you guys right now, uh, Tucker just texted me this morning. said, man, these dogs are barking. I got to get in. I went a few weeks ago, and it is life-changing. You sit there. You put your feet in the water. You go get you, you get the night. You get the extra. Get the extra. So they go up to the knee. You got tiles wrapped around. You got lotions. Do yourself a favor and listen to your Uncle Dan here. Get yourself a nice pedicure. Telling you, life-changing. Life-changing. And don't act like some macho D-bag and say, well, I would never do that. That's for the ladies. Yeah, women are smarter than guys. Why? Because they've been getting pedicures for freaking years. That's right. Don't at me about it. Go get it. Run to the store and go get one. Right down the street, K's Nails, go get it. Don't be a fool. Don't be some macho blankhead that thinks you can't go get a pedicure. Anyway, all right, we come back. I got some stuff for you. This is the greatest week. I've got some games in the ACC tournament. I'm going to give you my All-American team. And it's not the same as, ah, it's kind of close to the All-American team that was brought out yesterday. Uh, We are on the road, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to make $5,000, and today's a big deal. We'll be right back. Hey, uh, welcome back. I don't know what to tell you, but this has been a great show. Tucker Barnhart, catcher of the Detroit Tigers. I was going to say Lions. Last I looked, I don't think the Detroit Lions have a team. Uh, The YouTube chat is absolutely rocking and rolling. Go to YouTube.com, and you'll see all of the notables there. I mean, the greats are out today, and when the greats are out, it's 150 strong. we got to get that up to about 3,000. We will. We'll get that going. John Dasman's in. Jennifer's here. This is what I like about the YouTube chat. Jennifer comes onto the YouTube chat with, hey, what's up, slaps? See, that's how we rock and roll here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Hey, let's talk about a number of things. Um, Number one, the ACC tournament is tonight, and that's exciting. I think uh, it starts this afternoon, and I am not going to lie to you. I am all in on this week. You guys know this, and I've got two very good bets 
for you. Now, I'm trying to make myself, trying to make you a thousand. I'm trying to make me five thousand. I'm not betting like a stupid moron though, which is what I have done in the past. Uh, I'm trying not to do this. Okay, so just you know, give me a little break. Give me a little something, something. Give me a little something nice, and uh, don't get angry with me. But I am absolutely trying not to do this. So tournament games today. Are you ready? Go to the first game there, Dylan, because somehow my rundown is not coming up. But here's the deal. Um, No, I didn't call him Brett. Anyway, uh, (laughs) where you going, lady? All right, tournament preview. We got ACC games today. Uh, I'm going to go right through it right now. Are you ready? Here we go. First game, thank you. Boston College in Pittsburgh. Now, let me go through this with you. Boston College and Pittsburgh both stink. It's why they're playing in this game. All right? I'm just telling you, if they were good, they would not be playing in this game. Boston College is 11 and 19. Now, you're going to say, oh, wait a second. I'll do this. I'll follow the preview. Let's go North Carolina State Clemson. Let's do that. We'll go North Carolina State Clemson because I screwed up the rundown. So here's the deal. North Carolina State has had an uber, and I mean uber, disappointing year. Like, Kevin Keats is a really good coach. And I'm not going to, though, I'm not going to say, hey, look, uh, you know, it's sad about what's happening. No. Wait a second. We're all over the ice here. I'm going North Carolina State Clemson. The game is at 430. I am going to take Clemson. I'm going to take Clemson, and I actually bumped it up to my, uh, minus five. I think Clemson wins this game by double digits. Neither of these teams have been any good, although Clemson has won their last four games. I do not understand why this line is just four. Clemson, to me, is a much better basketball team. I have watched enough of North Carolina State to know that they are not a good basketball team. They don't shoot it well. They don't have guys that can really get after it. And I think this is a team that has somewhat quit on its season. Let me go through. They beat Georgia Tech a while ago. And this is what I look at. I don't look at who's scoring what. I look at coaching slash what's the team about. Let's go through. On the 15th, the day after Valentine's Day, they beat Georgia Tech at Georgia Tech. Since then, they've lost to BC by 8, North Carolina by 10. Both of those are at home. And then you look, okay, you say, hang on here. We just lost two home games. Are we going to bounce back? If you do in your last two games, hey, you got a chance. If you don't in your last two games, tells me you've given up on things. So North Carolina State goes to Wake and gets pounded by 26. Then they go to an eh team, uh, Florida State, better than it's been. All right, I'm not mad at you. They lose by 12, 13, but they're down and they give up 46 points and they're down 11 at half. Now, this is why I think personally Clemson is going to beat them bad. Now, let me give you Clemson, all right? I don't think Clemson's great, but I do think this The same week, the 19th of February, 
Clemson lost a terrible loss at Louisville. Louisville was a mess, but hey, they lost. How did they react? Well, they've won four straight. Now, is it the four hardest teams? No, but they did come back home and beat Wake, and they beat them by 11. They did go to Boston College and win by 10. They did go to Georgia Tech. Excuse me. They beat Georgia Tech at home by three, and they beat Virginia Tech by four. They're winning. They feel good. I'm taking, and I'm giving, I'm actually doing this. I hate the hook. So I bumped it up to five. I got plus uh, plus 100, and I bet 100, which means I'll win a couple hundred. Or it means I'll win 100. Whatever. And I don't have to put in the juice. So I'm doing that. That's game number one. All right. Game number two, Boston College and Pittsburgh. I like this game, but I don't like the game. The game is going to stink. But here's the deal. Let me give this to you. There is a line here that I like. Now, you can get caught in these things, and I highly recommend, I highly recommend being careful with this game because this game seems too good to be true. Let me explain. Boston College and Pitt, all right? Both teams, not great. Not great. No one's going to tell you that Boston College and Pitt are great, all right? All right, the game is at 2 o'clock, so we got to bet it. I mean, this is what I'm talking about, about skipping school. Let me go through a few things for you with Boston College and Pitt. The line is Pittsburgh uh, is getting two, which if I were going to take the game, I'd take Pittsburgh, but I'm not betting that. Let me go through some things for you. Pittsburgh's last five, okay? They've lost four in a row. They went to North Carolina again, same week, the 16th of February, and beat Carolina at Carolina. Since then, lost by six at home to Georgia Tech, lost by 21 at home to Miami, lost by 30 at home to Duke, lost by 24 at Notre Dame. All right? But let me give you something different here. The point total in this game is 129. That's basically 65-64. In these games, Notre Dame game, 142, 132, excuse me. In the Duke game, 142. In the Miami game, 149. In the Georgia Tech game, 130. In the uh, North Carolina game, 143. That's how many points have been given up. All right, now, let me go to Boston College last five. Boston College back on the 21st and the 23rd of uh, of February had a great week. They beat Florida State by 16. They won at North Carolina State by 8, but then it fell in. They lost to Clemson at home. They lost to Miami at home. Clemson by 10, Miami 11, and Georgia Tech on the road in overtime. All right. Which tells me, the overtime tells me, I don't think this team has quit. I'm not sure that Pittsburgh hasn't, but I'm not so sure this Boston College team has quit. And there's all kind of rumors about Jeff Capel's job security in Pittsburgh. And it ain't like these players at Pittsburgh are all that shot in the ass. But let me go through something here. Again, the number is 129. 
All right, let's go back to February 21st. Florida State game, it was 126. Okay, North Carolina State game, it was one, uh, 130. We're one and one. 130 with Clemson, 151 with Miami, and 160 their last time out against Georgia Tech. Now, the 129 is my bet of the day. I'm betting more on that than I'm betting on any other game all day. But if it seems too good to be true, it just might be, and I cannot tell a lie, that 129 seems low to me. Now, we'll see. You get in tournament play, and if they play like North, Northern Kentucky and, and uh, uh, I, uh, Fort Wayne played last night, there's no chance that it gets that high. But I got to take it. It's called gambling, people. I'm sorry, but it is. And then the nightcap is Georgia Tech and Louisville, all right? Louisville is getting a point and a half. Or, I'm sorry, is giving a point and a half. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm either not going to bet this or I'm going to bet this relative to taking Georgia Tech. I think Georgia Tech is the play here. I think Georgia Tech, let me, let me just be honest with you. Louisville ain't making no run. Anybody that thinks Louisville's making a run, God bless you. Mike Pegues, nice guy, nice coach. I've been in his position. It's no fun. You know, people are making a big deal about Phil Martelli going three and two. I mean, what the hell? But the truth of the matter is, uh, I don't think that there are, is going to be much competitiveness between Louisville tonight. I just don't feel it. Now, it's a night game. It's the ACC tournament. Everybody can wax philosophic. And I'm with you, baby. I'll jump on that if you want. But when I look at Louisville, here's what I see. I see a team that looks to me like it has zero interest in being there. I see a team that it looks like to me has not much esprit de corps, if any esprit de corps. You know what esprit de corps is? I don't either, but it sounds good. Esprit de corps means we're all in this together. You know what I'm saying. Everybody's in it together. Yeah, I don't see it. Andy Hughes on the YouTube chat, thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers to our friends at Louisville, uh, I just think they're not very good. I would not take them. I would never bet on Louisville. I will tell you this, though. Every time I've watched Georgia Tech, they play pretty damn good. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. And Georgia Tech might, I don't, you know, again, who knows, but Georgia Tech might actually think that they can win this. They did it last year with the Alvarado kid. Here's what Louisville's done last five. They beat Clemson. Brains beat out at North Carolina, actually only by seven. Brains beat out at Wake. Brains beat out at Virginia Tech. Lost by 10 to UVA. Here's what Georgia Tech's done. They won their last one. Lost by three at Clemson. Got split by Notre Dame. Lost by four to Virginia Tech. Lost in overtime in a game they should have won at Syracuse. But the key is they won their last. So you're playing against a team that won their last against a team that is not going to play tonight. They're just not. So here's what I would do. Here's what I'm doing right now. I am taking Clemson 
plus five or minus five, not four. I want to get rid of the juice. I'll even buy up a half point. I am taking 129. That's the over-under in the game between Boston College and Pittsburgh. And I am taking Georgia Tech minus a point and a half. I'm sorry, plus a point and a half tonight. Now, I have no idea, and I usually don't put these bets in until the game because I want to know who's out. But I feel pretty good about this. All right? I do. Now, let's morph it on over, shall we, to my, my All-American team. All right. So here's the deal. The All-American team can go a lot of ways. I actually, I'm not in love with this All-American team. I don't think that this All-American team is one of the great All-American teams of all time. But, hey, we got a season. We got to give awards. Let's go ahead and give them out, shall we? I'm having trouble right now getting to my rundown. So whoever you guys want to put out, and this is in no particular order, my All-American team first, I'm going to go with Johnny Davis of Wisconsin. Now, when you look at Johnny Davis, there's a couple of things that stick out. Number one, Johnny Davis plays hard. I mean, really hard. He's averaging 20. I know he got hurt, so the average moved around a little bit. But I got to tell you, Johnny Davis is the kind of guy, again, there's a couple of them on this All-American team, but I'll talk about Johnny Davis first. Johnny Davis is the kind of guy that looks like he's going about three-quarter speed, and the next thing you know, he's whooping everyone's ass. I mean, everyone. Kid went into Purdue and dropped 36, 37. I don't want to short him. 37 and 17. Now, ladies and gentlemen, that's pretty damn good. Now, Purdue's not guarding like Purdue used to, and it's hurt him. But Johnny Davis, I hope he is back from an ankle. He got knocked on his dupayage, baby. He got knocked down hard against uh, Nebraska. And if Nebraska did it on purpose, hey, what can I tell you? They're just trying to win. I know I'm supposed to be incredulous. Nah, screw that. That's why I love working at OutKick. You can say, screw the sissy. Yes, the sissy stuff. And men are being men, knocking each other on their ass. But I got to tell you, I'm a Johnny Davis fan. I'm not saying he would be my first pick in the draft. uh, Paulo Banchero would be. But I'm telling you, Johnny Davis is nice. Second guy is Keegan Murray. Man, Keegan Murray to me of Iowa, this is the smoothest basketball player in the country. This is a guy that literally, and I'm being literal here, when he shoots the basketball and he misses, I am shocked that the ball didn't go in. I am so used to watching Keegan Murray make shots, I can't even begin to tell you. And if you don't know who Keegan Murray is, then I can't help you with that either. Keegan Murray's dad, again, people know, terrific. Kenyon Murray was a terrific player. He's from Michigan, wanted to go to Michigan. Fab Five was there, didn't go to Michigan. But Keegan Murray, all he's doing, <clears throat> excuse me, is averaging 23 and a half, eight and a half, two blocks a game. He's shooting 55%, 38% from three, and 73% from the free throw line on a team that's just okay. But now I think they're damn good at 22 and nine because Keegan Murray has made them good. I mean, he is Grand Hill without being Grand Hill. What do I mean by that? He does everything smooth. Grant Hill was more of a ball handler, 
But Keegan Murray's one of those guys that at the end of the day, you're like, all right, well, you need somebody to bring him up. Let's bring up Keegan Murray. He'll bring it up. You need somebody to make a post move? Let's get it to Keegan Murray. Need a three? Keegan Murray. Need somebody to set a ball screen and pop? Keegan Murray. He is that kind of versatile. Now, Grand Hill's one of the all-time great players. Don't get me wrong. But I got to tell you, man, Keegan Murray reminds me a lot, and I mean a lot, of Grand Hill. I don't know whether it equates to the NBA. How the hell do I know? But I do know this. I would take Keegan Murray on my team. I'd take his brother Chris, too. I think those two kids are dynamite. I do. I think they're both dynamite. Um, My All-American that maybe I don't know if he's getting any All-American because I don't listen. I should listen more. But I don't pay attention to clowns. I I get so tired of of our basketball media. They know nothing, and they're so loud. Seriously, they don't know jack shit, and they're so loud. Like all these guys and their little Twitter accounts and like, I'll never forget going to ESPN's college basketball seminar. And everybody's happy. There's two guys, Jeff Brazello and Myron Metcalf. They're like the only two writers in the whole building. Like, we got Billis. Everybody's there. Everybody you see on TV. And the only two miserable guys are these two writers. Just miserable dudes. Uh, all right. Now, this may not be, this may not be, a uh, popular pick. But I'm going Armando Baycott from North Carolina as my third guy. Not in order. Not in order. But Armando Baycott, to me, the dude is averaging 17 and 13. Now, I got to tell you, that's good enough for me at Carolina. He's blocking two shots a night. He's shooting 60%, 70% from the free throw line. Doesn't shoot threes. Knows who he is. And when I watched him play the other day, I got to tell you, the dude was a difference in Carolina winning and Carolina losing at Duke. That's good enough for me. Benchero, way better pro prospect. Jay Nivey, way better pro prospect. No question about it. But this isn't a pro prospect deal. All right? This is something that I am going through in terms of guys being All-Americans based on their play in college. Oh, my God. Could you imagine somebody doing that? Could you imagine somebody actually basing it on what? Play in college? Oh, it cannot be. This cannot happen. We must only discuss, only discuss, ladies and gentlemen, how they are going to be in the NBA. Hey, by the way, I got a bracket challenge. Uh, Go to our Twitter account, and it's right there. I'm going to have two bracket challenges. This one, this one is uh, at NCAA.com, March Madness Bracket Challenge, and it's going to be us. Just go to Don't At Me. Yeah. That's how we're rolling. All right. My next All-American, Oscar Shebway, who left the cesspool that is West Virginia in the middle of the season last year, went to Kentucky, and now Oscar Shebway is a first-team All-American. I'll give you my player of the year coming up here in a minute. But Oscar Shebway is old school. I mean, he is an old school power forward. Great feet. Like, not good feet, great feet. He moves his feet. And when people do something like that, I'm all in. What else does he do? Well, he rebounds like his job depends on it. That's what he does. Dude's averaging 17, and listen to this, 15 rebounds. 15 of these things. 
He's got 165 offensive rebounds. Think about that. Whoa, that's five a game. Offensive rebounds. He has more offensive rebounds than anybody else on his team at Kentucky now has by over 30 total rebounds for somebody else, offensive for him. Oscar Shibway under John Calipari, oh my gosh, he's the man. Oscar Shibway can ball. All right, my last one, Kofi Colbert, and this is the one I'm not sure about. Kofi Colbert's averaging 21 and 10, and he's playing really well. Reason I put him on, Illinois tied for the Big Ten title. Like, the reason I almost didn't put on uh, Kenyon Murray or Keegan Murray is because they didn't tie for the title, but their team is so much better because of Keegan Murray. Make no mistake here. Kofi Colbert is terrific. He's a bit of a defensive liability on the middle ball screen. That's all right. The dude is a warrior. The dude gets after it on both ends of the court as hard as he can. He averages 21. He missed the first three games of the year because of some idiotic NCAA thing. He has come back and been sensational. You want a sleeper team in the Big Ten tournament? Illinois. You want a sleeper team to go to the Final Four? Illinois. And it's not just because of Kofi Coburn. This Andre Carbello might be the most exciting, ridiculous player in college basketball. He's exciting as hell, but he is so ridiculous. That makes it fun. Trent Frazier is one of my two or three favorite players in college basketball. He guards everybody. Bigger try to switch, and he defends him. He strips balls, and he makes big shots. Don't sleep on Illinois. Coburn is my last guy on my All-American list. And finally, my player of the year, it's Oscar Shibwe. I mean, look, you're 17 and 15. You're at Kentucky doing that with a bunch of other dudes that at least think they're becoming pros. No, 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 no. No, no. Oscar Shibway is 1,000% my player of the year. Look, I got no bias. I like John Calipari a lot. I mean, a lot. But that doesn't mean I'm, uh, you know, that doesn't mean that I'm sitting here thinking to myself, well, you know, I got to put Oscar Shibway on it. No, I just think he's been the best player in the country for the entire year. And if you don't think so, good for you. Everybody's entitled to their opinion. Mine just is more informed than yours. That's all. I'm sorry, but it is. So that's my All-American list. That's my player of the year. Oscar Sheepway is my player of the year. Big Blue Nation, the most second most insecure fan base in the country, behind the Purdue fan base, should be happy with me. And away we go. All right. Let me recap here my bets for today. The road to 5,000. I'm going with Clemson minus five. I bought it up to get no juice. It's plus 100. Bet 100, win 100. I'm going with Pittsburgh, Boston College over 129. And you know what? That's my big bet of the day. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm betting 200 on that and 100 on these others. And I'm going to put $50 on this three-team parlay. And my third one is I'm going to take Georgia Tech minus one and a half. I hope you like it. I hope you do it. We're going to win money. I'm not jackassing around. And don't forget, NCAA.com bracket challenge. You can go. um, You can get in the link here on the YouTube channel. You can get it wherever you want. 
We're going to have people in it. Winner is going to, winner is going to uh, be a guest on the show. I'll get him some Don't At Me swag. We got to get some Don't At Me swag going. So there you go. Tom Crean in Georgia, uh, according to OutKick, expect to part ways. Expect to see Tom Crean on ESPN. They really liked his work there. Uh, there's going to be a lot of coaches uh, get their brains fired here coming up soon. All right, last thing before I let you go, you can hear more of me coming up at 12 o'clock. Go to 1075thefan.com. Ryan and Dylan, thank you. We will talk to you tomorrow. Let's go Clemson over 129 and Georgia Tech, baby. See you tomorrow.